conversation uh, also came a book of, we, of which he is an author that uh, there's also a book stand there that you can later come to him uh, about decolonizing the mind for a new world uh, civilization which is a guide to decolonial theory and practice um, and he'll be giving the uh, keynote today so it's an honor to uh, having you um, give a warm applause and in the Thank you, thank you, Chris, for the introduction. Thank the artists for the inspiration. Thank you, Dr. Leo, for this wonderful ceremony. And let me start with the concept of reparations. It's not working yet. Right. So. I distinguish between three elements of repair. One is compensation of historical injustice through colonialism. That is what is often seen as reparations, the compensation for historical injustice. The second element is restoring what has been broken, so repair it's not only compensation, it's also identifying what has been broken by colonialism and how do you repair ecology, mental slavery, decolonizing the mind. And then there's a third thing. Suppose you cannot repair something that has been broken, then the ultimate thing is to create something new that transcends colonialism, and that is about how an old world civilization created by colonialism should evolve into a new universal world civilization. So reparations has compensations, repair what has been broken, and create something new. So let's see what is historical injustice and what is compensation for it. One clear thing is the occupation of land by colonizers. United States, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, there are many countries where indigenous people have lived and their land has been stolen, occupied. So what is compensation in those cases? what is historical injustice of occupation, either you return land, or you recognize the fundamental rights, or you give financial compensation. Then the second element of historical injustice is the human suffering that has been caused. In the case of the transatlantic enslavement, and the case of the enslavement of the natives, uh, of the indigenous peoples, of Abiyayana, the deceived Asian forced labor caused by famine, the genocides, all this human suffering, if you cause that, you need to do some form of compensation that starts with the acknowledging 
by the colonizers of their responsibility for it. So, um, and, the, and then there's a financial compensation element uh, of it. Then the other historical injustice is just forced labor in many forms, slavery, indentured labors, other forms of forced labors. Again, it's about acknowledgement and financial compensation for unpaid wages, uh, 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 insufficient payment for wages. Then the other historical injustice is blatantly robbery of resources. Gold, silver, balata, uh, rubber, just the robbing of it. You steal something, and normally you should pay for something you do. So you identify what has been stolen, and then say, give it back. Then the other thing is the destruction of the ecology in the colonized country. Deforestation, poisoning of agricultural land. And again, you have to repair this. You have to do some compensation and engage in activities that uh, uh, restore the ecology. And then there's another one which is not talked many often about, the historical injustice that the victim paid to the perpetrator. That kind of reparations is not in discussion because Often we are talking about reparations that the victim should get. But the victims have paid reparations in the case of Haiti to France. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> uh, in China, the opium wars. And the case of Indonesia who has paid reparations to Holland, which was in amount bigger than the Marshall uh, help that uh, uh, the Netherlands can. So when we talk about reparations for historical injustice, we have to identify the historical injustice in these six dimensions. That is what we should bring into the discussion. Now, where do we stand in the Netherlands with this discussion for compensation of historical injustice? We are still in the face of apologies. We haven't moved much beyond that. There's a lot of things going on. Should you apologize? When should you apologize? How should you apologize? That's the main factor of the, uh, the discussions. And that is led by colonial historians who focus on individual and institutional involvement in slavery and avoid the financial dimension. They don't talk about how much did you earn Holland, how much did you earn? They talk about, oh, you were involved, sorry. That's the, lay, the, the, the research of historians. Carla Fata Black, Papayan Brandon, Hattos Indies. That is their narrative. And it shows you the need for decolonial historians to put the other narrative and just put the question, how much did Holland earn? By uh, in, in, the, in slavery, indentured labor, and colonialism. You need to have a new generation of decolonial historians. And if it doesn't, if they are not being trained in the universities, we should train them outside the universities. <coughs> now, 
if you are in this stage of only apologies, and although the Dutch government has provided for a fund of 200 million, the question should have been asked, why 200? How did you get to that number of 200? And I can tell you what they did. They don't talk about it, but the amount they paid to the enslavers at the abolition of slavery at that time was 10 million guilders. And if you count it, what it's worth now is 200 million. So the 200 million they gave to the enslavers is the same amount which they gave to the perpetrators they are giving to the victims. See? And that's why we should have asked, why 200 million? Why not more? Or why not less? Give me uh, an argument for it. Now, where do we go from here? First of all, obviously, is education. And an important part of that education should be the significance of Indonesia's return of reparations. Black people should ask that. Asian people should ask that. Indonesians should ask that. Give back the reparations. We don't ask for reparations. Give back the reparations for Indonesia to show the injustice of the mentality of Dutch colonialism. And obviously, we should go into the discussion of this, the six elements of historical injustice. The next thing is, we should set up a legal department of social movements where the lawyers work for free for activists and start lawsuits against ABN AMRO and the royal family and demand reparations from those institutions. The royal family is not a collection of men, women. It's an institution. And obviously, against the Dutch state for the return of the money to Indonesia and the payment for historical injustice. Now, let's go into the history of payments for historical injustice. The Jewish experience is interesting. After World War II, Jewish organizations organized during the war already a conference, and they set up amount that they would ask after the war of 800 million US dollars. And the agreement came, they got the money, and after that they instituted agreements with the German government that every year after that, Germany state paid reparation until today. And in 2012, when I wrote a book on reparations, it was 85 the times that they had asked. What does it tell you? It tells you that if you don't fix on the amount now, you fix on education and changing the mind, and if you do that like the Jews have done in Germany with educating the German about the Holocaust, the sky is the limit. Three six Swiss Bank paid in 2000, 1.3 millions. So you see the amounts we are talking about is not in the millions, it's in the billions. And that's on the Jewish experience. But go now through the experience in different parts of the world, then you'll see 
that payment of reparation is a normal thing. Apology is an incidental thing. So if you think that your struggle here is about getting apologies, you're really at the starting at a low level, and you should aim at higher. The Native American tradition, you know, the US government in 1971 donated one billion uh, uh, US dollars and 80 million acres of land. 2010, Canada, you know, reached an agreement for reimbursement of specific land claim. The focus here is on land <coughs> and for compensation of stolen land. Obviously, in Suriname, the land question of the indigenous people. That's where they have been stolen the land for. And we should then ask, if you put up a company in Amsterdam, <coughs> you pay rent. How much rent have you not paid during three or 400 years of colonialism in Suriname to the indigenous people? Let's calculate that amount and put it in our head. Not even from the expectation that we'll get the money, but from the education, what the magnitude was of what has been stolen. The black tradition in the US, you know, uh, where, uh, <coughs> sorry, already during slavery, uh, uh, enslaved intellectuals, Frederick Rodman, Northrop, Jordan, and they were talking about reparations already during enslavement. And there, there are a lot of cases in the United States where basically reparations were articulated not on the level of apologies, but on the level of financial compensation. In 2010, the US government paid 1.2 billion to 15,000 African-American farmers in compensation for discrimination. In the, in the Caribbean, you know, Haiti had paid uh, uh, reparations uh, to France until 1947. <laughs> Every year they paid it for uh, 150 years, 125 years. And when Chan Patrick Aristide demanded uh, the payment back of the reparation, he was overthrown in a coup led by the US and France. So there's this tradition in the Caribbean uh, where Reparation is in the reverse uh, way, but you know, in Jamaica already in the 1960s, the Rastafarians put out a number of 129 billion to be asked. In Latin Abdayala, old slide, uh, where it says in Latin America, uh, in, in Bolivia, if a Morales linked the ecology and the destruction of ecology for climate reparations and ask that the developed country, uh, countries contribute at least 1% of the annual GDP to a fund for poor countries. In Brazil, the Colombo community, uh, which were a community of uh, former enslaved people, uh, get, got land and land rights for Afro-Brazilian communities <laughs> and some kind of affirmative action. In Africa, we have the demands in Namibia for the horrors and the genocide committed by Germany against the Herero people. Uh, and in 2001, uh, they filed a lawsuit. And in 2000, 
2021, Germany offered to finance a billion euros uh, over a period of 30 years. Belgium, Congo, the king apologized with no reparations. Burundi had requested 36 billion euros. The African Union had adopted a plan, uh, declared slavery a crime against humanity, uh, and uh, Gaddafi uh, asked for 7.7 trillion at the United Nations. All these figures has a purpose, is great education about the nature of, of uh, um, the crimes of colonialism. The Oceanic tradition, New Zealand, uh, where the Wakato Tiny Tribal uh, Confederation uh, got reparations about 300 millions. The Maoris in Australia, uh, you see all these facts. What the interesting thing in Australia is that in 1998, they instituted a National Sorry Day. A day that is called National Sorry Day. Imagine that we do that in Holland. National Sorry Day in Holland, and it's a day of education. This is a government policy. It's not the policy of social movements. It's obviously the result of social movement. And that National Sorry Day <coughs> is an instrument of education. In, in India, Utsa uh, Patnaik has calculated that the British has stolen 45 trillion from India. <coughs> and the Indian haven't even asked formally for reparations, but it tells you that whenever there's a discussion, how come that India was poor and people suffer, etc., it is because of colonialism, because when the colonialists left, India is now rising. It's one of the stars for the future. Then the Chinese tradition, they haven't asked for it. But imagine that the drugs cartel of Pablo Escobar <coughs> invaded Europe or, or, or the, United, the United States and then asked the government to pay reparations to the drugs cartel for the war efforts, for the money they spent on the army. It would be ludicrous, but that's what happened in the Opium War. They forced China to open up their country for the import of drugs from India to China. And the war, cost of the war, they put on the Chinese to pay. There were two wars and the Chinese paid for it. In Indonesia, I mentioned the reparations that Indonesia has paid to Holland. And which is not part of our national discussion. It's not part, if you have some discussion on, on TV, on reparations and slavery and colonialism, you don't hear this. And that should change. In Western Asia, yeah, what was called formerly the Middle East, we have cases of Iraq invading uh, Kuwait and then was forced to pay 52 billion, and they have paid it. Iran has asked for compensation for the economic damage it suffered after Trump withdrew from the GCPOA. And then we have the Dutch tradition. The Dutch are willing to pay reparations 
for people who are part of the perpetration of colonialism. They paid here 350 million guilders, and then again 385 million, all, almost 700 million, 735 million, for collaborators of colonialism. The people who went to Indonesia, colonized Indonesia in the wars, uh, liberation wars, and these amounts are staggering compared to the 200 million that's offered for 350 years of slavery. So why is it that all over the world, reparations are about money, but only in the Netherlands it's about apologies and internships? ABN AMRO offers internships after the report. Why is it? It is because of the colonization of the mind, which prevents us to discuss things they won't want to hear. Uh, it is because of the Eurocentric researchers that focus the social debates on apologies. And what we need to do <coughs> here is train a new generation that goes into the public media, the dominant media, and, and are not afraid to take these things. Here is a guy who, under any normal circumstances, you would label a criminal. He was involved in the drugs trafficking. He was involved in enslavement. And that is the Dutch, the Dutch king, Willem I. Karwa Vattenblak calls him a verlichte monarch, enlightened monarch. If he was a black man, he would call him a dictator. And that's the difference in how we look at people of authority. Remember that talking about colonialism and historical injustice, we shouldn't be afraid to confront the royal monarchy on, on reparations. So this is about historical injustice. The other dimension is if what you have broken should be repaired. Take the physical infrastructure. Physical infrastructure, the British Railway in India, all the railways were based on wood and led to deforestation. They cut down all the trees to build the railway station in order to get the grain from India to, uh, uh, to England. In Suriname, they uprooted a maroon community for building a, a, a dam in the Suriname River for the bauxite industry. They, uh, you know, built some, some scanty houses, uh, but basically there is to be a repair whole villages in a very different ways. The poisoning of farmland with chemicals, the design of cities according to the wishes of multinationals. Um, so eco-friendly urban planning is not there in many uh, colonized countries, it's just people going out building slums in the big cities coming from the agricultural area. So restoring those uh, physical infrastructure, repairing them, and then the economic infrastructure. The structures we have now, with the International Monetary System, IMF, World Bank, SWIFT, the role of the dollar, all these structures have been built in order to keep control of the resources of, of uh, 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 the environment 
uh, of the colonized economy. Take the case, for example, in Suriname between uh, 1947, not 1960, 1947 and 1975, Suriname received 300 million guilders as so-called development aid. And for every guilder that was put into Suriname, three guilders went out in the form of profits for uh, multinationals. So, and these are figures people need to know because this figure should have been invested in Suriname. The social struggle, uh, the social structures, Migration uh, to the Netherlands, uh, uh, sometimes even forced, what we now have forced integration and the dismantling of our own uh, social structure. These are elements of restoring what is being destroyed. And obviously, in ecology, the, the, what has been destroyed is the balance between humans and nature. Uh, and restoring that balance is one of the aspects of restoration. Restoration is part of uh, um, reparations, of repair. And where the social struggles and political structures, there was a time, and uh, Max mentioned that, uh, where the different communities operated together in the league against the imperialism. You had Anton de Kong, Otto Huiswald. You had uh, 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 Africa and, and, and Asia in the Bandung Conference. And now they have been compartmentalized by identity politics to such an extent that you only look at your own ethnic group and don't look at the solidarity between ethnic groups. Unite the plantations, that is our slogan. Rather than having each individual plantation and think that you liberate your plantation. You can't liberate your plantation if the others are still colonized. And that, that part is mental slavery and repairing the new political structures. And then the cultural structure, which is knowledge production, the media, many people get the vision of how to look at the world from the eight o'clock news. And the you now, you know, that determines how you look at the world. And we need another way to look at the world and another media. This, uh, the, the destruction of cultural identity, uh, uh, which has been created by colonialism, decolonizing the universities and the media. These are things which are part of repair, part of reparations. And then the last thing, if you can't repair what is broken, create something new. And in decolonial theory, our concept is not basically class or individual, but civilization. A civilization is a collection of societies based on a specific cultural foundation. And the current colonial world civilization is built on the European Enlightenment. And that is where we have to get into the discussion with the European Enlightenment scholars, both from liberalism and Marxism, and see how do we create a new world civilization that also takes into account the knowledge of the indigenous people of Latin Abiyala, of Islam, of African philosophy, of uh, uh, Asian Confucianism or Hinduism. This is a different world that needs to be built. And I think that we are here with this conference as a start of a long-term project that goes for a new world civilization that uses dialogue instead of confrontation among activists and social movements, that based solidarity and social justice uh, instead of selfishness and every man, mostly man for himself, 
uh, and, and God for all of us, and restoring the balance between man and nature, humans and nature. So this trajectory, uh, and hopefully this could be a start, every uh, Confucius philosopher, Chinese philosopher said, a journey of a thousand kilometers starts with the first step. What he means is you should take the first step in the right direction, not go something else. So that is where this conference is about. It's a small step, but the first step in this long journey. Thank you very much. For this part, so we um, uh, we had a moderator in mind who finally couldn't in the end, so we're sort of uh, improvising as.